Brett, sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly-veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated, we're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. (laughs) Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Look out. It's only films to be buried with a rewind classic. Hello everyone, it's me, Brett Goldstein. Now listen, I've taken a little break from the podcast to focus on some work. I hope that's alright. In the meantime, I'm releasing some of my all-time favourite episodes, including this one, which was a live episode with the brilliant Sarah Kendall. You know Sarah Kendall, she's amazing, so funny, so wonderful, really loved doing this with her. We didn't even get through all the questions because we were having too much of a nice time. Anyway, if you were there, thanks for coming. If you weren't, have a listen. Ted Lasso Season 3 has started on Apple TV+. Plus. Get watching it. We hope you love it. You can also catch the final two episodes of Shrinking on Apple TV+. Plus. Everything else you need is at the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. And that's it, innit? You know what I mean? Enjoy your lives. Hope you're all well. Lots of love. I very much hope you enjoy this Rewind Classic. I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European political systems class at Baruch College. Woo! Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway listening to the B-52s. And looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. 
Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a pomegranate seed, and I love film. As Mark Twain once said, whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. For example, remember when Batman vs Superman Dawn of Justice came out and everyone was like, this is shit. But then you took a step back and looked at it from a big picture point of view and realised, hey, that Zack Snyder had in fact used big Hollywood money to make a German expressionistic film about how if only all people's mums had the same name, we could all just get along. And it's actually a kind of masterpiece. That. Wow. I can't believe the same guy who wrote Tom Sawyer also sees the many levels of Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Martha! Um, Every week I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Sharon Stone, January Jones, Lolly Adafope, and even Paddy Crambles himself. I'm fucking connected, guys. Uh, I don't know, I just met him once and things happened. Anyway... Uh, This week's episode comes live from the Underbelly Festival in this incredible Spiegel tent with this audience. It's good stuff. And tonight, my special guest is an award-winning comedian, a writer, a radio star, a TV star, an actor, a storyteller, a contributor, a motherlander, a showrunner, a human person, and most importantly of all, the owner of a giant gold statue of Greg Davies' head. Please welcome to the stage the tremendous, the hilarious, the profound, the musical, the legend, the taskmaster's choice, it's only Sarah Kendall! Nobody saw us touch. Nope. Uh, hello, Sarah. Hi, Brett. How are you? Very well. Thank you so much for doing the show. It's my pleasure. It's taken you a while to invite me on. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> we, had a, we had a pandemic, didn't we? We, like, we did. And, and I think you did, actually, you did try to get me before the pandemic. Well, no, we, we were meant to do it yeah, before we the were. pandemic and it fell apart. Before. So, you've had a long time to think. Yeah. Um, okay. So, Sarah, you have been um, doing very well. Yeah, I've been smashing it. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. Smashed. You made a show called Freight. Has, yeah. has anyone seen Freight? Oh, my God. I just assumed no one's seen it. And that wasn't many people, and I was still over the moon. Oh, there was like seven people. I'm like, guys! Oh, my God. Right, you have to watch this show, because it's fucking brilliant. And it's set in Australia. Yep. And it is so specific, yeah. if I may say. Yeah. It's very, very specific. Mm. It's a very unique I don't do tone. broad comedy. It's not broad, guys. No, it's not. I'm not into it. It's don't super need specific. It. Yeah. But it's, what I did want to know is yeah. it's about where you're from, right? Yes. It's set where you're from. Yeah. And it ain't particularly glowing no. about where you're from. No. And I wondered what the people of where you're from have made of your show where you basically They don't like said. it. They don't <laughs> like it. And when we're filming, uh, because it's set in the 1980s, where I grew up has become quite gentrified now, so we can't really film a lot of stuff there because it looks too nice now, because in the 80s it was a shit pit. But now, you know, like, it's doing quite well. So we have to to find, like, the shitty places to go and film. And when we do go there to film, people tell us to get fucked. (laughs) Like, you know, like when you have to close off a road for a scene or something, people will just be on the outside of frame calling us cunts. Like, it's just, 
they really don't like us, yeah. So you were Which right. feels quite right because yeah. I, I present it as a town that's a bit shit and yeah. then when we're filming we actually have people in the background telling us to get fucked. I'm like, this is very on brand. You absolutely yeah. nailed it. Yeah. I, one thing I did want to ask as well, right, if you've not watched it, it's six hours the first season and this person here wrote yeah. it all on her own, yeah. which as someone who has written but has written stuff with ten other people. Yeah. But I think I that that would that, be, I would find that harder. Go on. Well, no, I, I just, I, I feel like I know exactly what I want it to look like, whereas if I was working with other people, I'd have to manage yes. those relationships and the amount of trust that it takes to kind of, I, I was saying that recently I, I, I was talking to Sharon Horgan about the same thing, about how I feel like every decision that you make when you're writing a script, everything's up for grabs. Literally anything can happen in, in the story. You're thinking it up as you go. I, I kind of feel like another person could argue me around quite easily. Because I do, it's just yeah, a debatable yeah. point. No matter how hard you dig in on your idea, I'm never completely sure that my idea is the right idea. But what I don't want to do is make someone else's mistake. Yes. That's my, my fear is that I would go, yeah, actually, you're quite right and get persuaded. Not that my idea was great, but if your idea is not the right one, yeah. I don't want to make your mistake. That's, that's kind of my... So your secret is lock the door and then... <laughs> You get your idea. Jar your own kiss, grow your toenails. Yeah, really. (laughs) All of that. All of that. I love that very much. Yeah, I thought thought you'd like that. What about uh, Taskmaster? Did you watch Taskmaster? Shoney won the fucker. Yeah. Uh, How was that? At first it was fun and then I started to take it very seriously. (laughs) It's like a, a really strange psychological experiment that you start to care. Yeah. Like, you actually start to care about whether you can eat 3,000 poppadoms and say metronome <laughs> after each poppadom. You go, I really want to do this. Whereas at the beginning of you, <laughs> that'll be so stupid. But then halfway through, you're like, not only do I want to do it well, I want to beat the other four people. Yeah. So it, I, I feel like it's very true of life that whatever the goalposts are, you suddenly just start wanting them. Yeah, and I, I really didn't care at first and then I really cared. So much so that I felt like I was like psyching myself up before tasks. I'd be wandering and going, come on, you can do this. <laughs> like, it's out, utterly joyless. Oh, great. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's how That's I do so everything. I care too much and wreck any enjoyment I could possibly have. Yeah. It's a fucked way to live. I'm not going to lie. Is that how you do relationships? Yep. It's very relatable. That's how I do everything. Um, I care too much and then, yeah, because there's I that thing. I care too much and I break you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the thing that you learn yeah. with stand-up is the only way to really get good at stand-up is to do it so much that you don't give a fuck. Yeah, and it's a lie. It's a lie. It's hard and you've yeah. got to do so much of it before you get to the point where you walk out and you go, I just don't care. Yeah. That's the only way you can be a good stand-up. It's true. It's true of life too. You've got to get to that point. It's really hard to get to that point. It is hard when you're in a relationship to nail that relationship by going up to the person and going, I don't care. I don't care. care. I don't care. <laughs> fuck. Just so you know, yes, you can move in, but I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's what a, I need. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's my secret. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, shit. What? What's happened? What? Oh, no. We... <laughs> oh, shit, the bed. What? I've what? made a terrible error. You've printed out the wrong No, thing. no. No, it's all there. I just I probably printed it in the wrong order. I should have told you this up top. It doesn't matter. I've it's forgotten like... to tell you something. Uh, I feel like an absolute dick. <laughs> I'm going to look bad just bringing this on you. But what? fuck. Uh, you, I'll just say it. You've died. You're dead. Okay. Okay. <laughs> How did you die? What was your death? Um... <laughs> 
That's the look of someone who didn't realise the format. <laughs> you had the same look that taxi driver had on the BBC News when he realised... <gasps> yes, I am dead. <laughs> uh, how did I die? Yeah, it's up to you. It's um, it be nice. I reckon uh, it's going to be... Uh, it'll be a, stu- it's a stupid death. Mm-hmm. It'll be a stupid death. Okay. The only reason I say this, because this isn't the reason why it's a really good question, is because it really makes you think about how you feel about death, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Because you kind of think the way I die has got to be reflective of the way I've lived in some way. Can be. So I think I'll die being really, really careful, but still dying even though I'm being <laughs> super careful. I like that. So it'll be like I will have checked, like it'll be like an abseiling incident. I don't abseil, but I'll be the one person on the one abseil. The one time I abseil mm-hmm. and I triple check the equipment, but one of the caribou locks I didn't check or something, that'll be the way I'm taken out. It'll be like a one in a million thing where I was very careful and I went, okay, I'll do it, but we're just going to make sure it's safe and then I'll still die. So you fell off a wall. Probably, yeah. It'll be something like that. Yeah. <laughs> And it'll be just at the point I'm starting to enjoy the activity. <sighs> so I'll be not enjoying going, this is shit, I wish I'd yeah. never come here. This is dumb. Who wants to, oh, rock climbing's dumb. And then I'll start going, actually, this is not bad. This is actually okay. And then something will happen with the equipment. And then I'll be, you know. Instant death? I hope so, but uh, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Probably like a lot of just bleeding out on the on the cliff. Floor. Look, it could be it could be weeks in hospital. It right. could be weeks in hospital where I, I rally for a bit. Yeah. You know, like you rally, yeah, yeah. and everyone's like, "She's going to make it through. Yeah. She's going to make it." I was on that text chain. That's we, right. Yeah. 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 I always said Sarah was a yeah, fighter. Yeah, There'll a be fight. that kind of. She pretends she pretends not to care, but she does. She does. Yeah, and then something else. It'll be like a secondary infection to the primary, <laughs> the primary site. MRSA. Yeah, right, yeah, I'll get yeah. golden staff. Like, so yeah. I will have recovered yeah. from the majority of the injuries that I incurred and then I'll get golden yeah. staff in, and it'll be like, oh, yeah. this... Uh, and then... Because my mother... May I just say, what I love at this point is the people who don't know the podcast who are like, what the fuck is this show? <laughs> <laughs> this fascinates me, though, because... I, uh, my mother, um, I, I was raised by a mother who basically, uh, death is everywhere. You've got to be very, very careful. Death is everywhere. Like my mum's favourite stories are about moles that didn't get checked or someone who thought it was just a headache, but it wasn't. Like that's her favourite genre yeah. of anecdote. And I've been, I've been raised with that. You know, she texted me the other day. There was that awful uh, collapse of the building in Miami. And my mum, she rang and she said, I've been thinking about this and I don't think that you should go into new build high rises. Uh, they've built too many of them too quickly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so what buildings do you think I should go into? <laughs> and she said, I just, I don't know, just nothing, nothing after the 1980s. I said, well, why the 1980s? She said, well, there was a time of excess and things were just built too fast. But that's the way she lives. She tries to gather the data. What can I learn from this? She texted me this story about a guy in Turkey who fell into a vat of chicken soup. He was trying to prepare it for a wedding. That's a great death. Right. That's a good death. So she said, you know, man died falling into a vat of chicken soup, preparing for a wedding, and then Mm. she ended the text message with, it really makes you think. I'm like, but what does it make you think? What? Don't go to Turkey. Don't go to weddings. Don't cook chicken soup. What do I glean from this so that I don't die the same way? Yeah. I'll be honest, I will be thinking about that for a long time. She's not wrong. No, imagine, what, imagine that guy's day. Imagine you, like, it. tasting it. Oh, it's yeah. good. She oh, it's good. And a bit more spice. Just, you know, you're getting, thinking about it. Everyone's going to love my chicken. Fucking falling this in and dying. This is his wedding. 
No, no, I don't think. I don't know. Mum would have included that. She would have loved yeah. that detail. If it was his wedding, oh fuck, she would have. Oh, yeah. that's 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 really that's. That's the problem because you have to announce that to the guests. Like I'm so so, like on the. It's difficult. Please don't laugh. Yeah. It's difficult. He's yeah. the groom's. Yeah. Dead. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. He fell into chicken soup. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. If no one was surprised, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah, that sounds like the sort of thing you'd do. That's right. Yeah. Uh, do you worry about death all the time? Mm. I think about it nonstop. Uh, I'm so worried about it. Okay. And the older I get, the more I worry about it. You know, I'm 45 now, and this is the age where shit starts going wrong with people. You know, do you hear about blah, blah? Yeah. No, what? I'm just hearing more of those stories, and I'm like, mm. my number's going to be up soon. Can't bear it. Sorry. Welcome to the show. <laughs> uh, welcome. So, uh, what do you think happens when you die, though? Afterlife for you? Sadly, no, I don't think so. No, I don't. I mean, and that would sweeten the pill, wouldn't it? I mean, that's the whole fucking point. Yeah. Is to go, well, I led a good life and I'll see all those people that I love, but who are we kidding? Yeah. The chances of that being true are statistically just, you know, negligible. The terrible uh, things you don't. Famously, not a racist, but all the. Terrible things you've done, you think? Or you no. just think there's nothing? Oh, no, I, I just... You're not going to the bad place? You're not going anywhere? Well, I don't know. I don't know. But I feel it's unlikely. Hmm. It feels unlikely to me. But I think that's sort of, you know, like the magic of here and now is that it, you know, you have to absolutely... I mean, even though I don't live in the present and I wreck it constantly by worrying, yeah. but you should try to live in the present and enjoy this on the understanding that it's probably all there is, you know, yeah. the, the afterlife thing. It's a nice idea, but I doubt it. Have I ever told you my theory that enlightenment is fucking boring? Have I told yeah. you that? Oh, it's a pile of shit. I do find, I, I told you earlier I've been, I've been doing karate. I do find karate is a really good way yeah. to get mindful because all you can think about is either not getting hit yep. or hitting. And there's a simplicity to that yeah. where you're going, I'm just going to try to block this person's hits and I'm just going to try to hit them. That's the most mindful I can get. So your meditation is kicking the shit out of someone. Or trying to or stop game. them kicking the shit out of me, to block as much of their uh, yeah. as I can. But that's actually made me very calm. I find that like a really kind of calm, calm state to be in. I took on this 14-year-old because there's this kid in our... Did you, did, did, did you win? No, he was oh, a okay. fucking animal. Oh. He was unbelievable. So, I mean, in my class, I'm going for my first belt in a couple of weeks. And I was with like, it's really like you want to get a, it's like Taskmaster. Yeah. Now I want a belt, you know, because like the belts all go into different sections of the class. And I was with like the white belts and the no belts and the red belts. And the red belts are still pretty good. But I was with this 14-year-old kid and he had his boxing gloves on and he went fucking ballistic on me. Like he was punching and hitting so hard and just went for it. And I, I was so angry at him. And I was like blocking as much of a, as I could. And then I started hitting him back because I was like fucking annoyed. <laughs> But then I suddenly realised that I was the happiest I'd been for weeks. <laughs> I was like, I'm not worrying about death. Yeah. For the first time, like, all I'd been thinking about was, like, how worried I am about dying. And it absolutely took my mind off it. So enlightenment for you is kicking the shit out of a 14-year-old boy? Well, if he's hitting me, no, yes. I'm not judging. And he was I'm showing off to the sensei. Me. Like, he kept on punching and then looking over to see if the sensei was watching. I was like, I know what you're doing. You're trying to impress the sensei. Yeah. And it felt so good when I, when I hit him and he went, ow. And I was like... <laughs> well, I got good news. Yep. There is a heaven. Good. You're scraping in because <laughs> of all the violence to children you've shown yeah. and called enlightenment. 
And in this heaven, it's great. It's filled with your favourite thing. What's your favourite thing? Movies. Okay. And... Uh... <laughs> How am I doing? You're catching up. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, you're doing, uh, so far, 10 points. In this heaven, you're very welcome. Everyone's a big fan. They'd like to see you. But they want to talk about your life mm. through the medium of film. Okay. And the first thing they ask is, what's the first film you remember seeing? What did I answer? So, <laughs> just to be clear, I didn't give her the answers, but she sent me answers ages ago and then told me today that she'd forgotten them. So... I will be playing the part this, of Sarah. Yeah, it was six weeks ago, you said to be fair. You said, you said Jaws. I said Jaws. And I'm pretty sure that I qualified that saying that cannot be... Like, that's the first cinematic experience that I remember. I don't think it was my first okay. movie, but that's the one that feels the most vivid in my memories. Where were you? I can't answer that. Okay. I don't um, know. I genuinely oh, right. don't know. Sorry, I genuinely I don't like... know. <laughs> so, no, I can't protection. tell you. It was an undisclosed location. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I worked for Mossad okay. briefly in the, sure, uh, sure. in the late 70s. Yeah. Right. Well, and you had a little break. Popped to cinema. <laughs> I did. They said, take the afternoon off, Sarah. And I was like, are you guys sure? And you, they were like, they were like you have been killing it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're very happy with your work. Yeah. Go and catch a movie. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to go and see a Spielberg movie because I was in Mossad. And nice, I'm going to nice. go and see a Spielberg nice. movie. And they were like... <laughs> so that went... So you went to a cinema yeah. with your family on your own? It couldn't have been a cinema because okay. uh, it was like... It, it just came out in 1977, so it couldn't possibly have been a cinema. I was mm. born in 1976. So it must have been on video or on the television in the 80s, I think. And you loved it? I did. I loved it. Because where I grew up, like I grew up right next to the, to the beach. There was mm-hmm. a lot of swimming. We, we were always swimming in the surf. We did a thing in Australia called Little Nippers. And Little Nippers is every Sunday morning we'd go and do surf lifesaving down at the beach. You life-saving wet. surfers? Surf life-saving. You're saving the lives of specifically surf. surfers. Anyone else no, there on the you're life-saving in the surf. In the surf, okay. Yeah. You're saving people from the surf. Right. Stop surfing. Yeah. I mean, that's the obvious thing to do is to not swim in the ocean. Right, right, right. But uh, people love swimming in the ocean. Yeah, they travel for hours to swim in the ocean. Yeah. So it really sort of resonated with me just because of the lifestyle that I had, which was yeah. very beach-orientated. And there was a story about an enormous shark that um, couldn't really be stopped. So I, I it just in terms of my imagination yeah. and how it affected me, and I was so frightened that uh, we had a, a, a pool. Even when I was in the pool, I would be kind of afraid that a, when I go to the deep end that a shark, like doesn't make any sense, and I knew it didn't make any sense, but that really iconic sort of, you know, the, the yeah. legs kicking around and the POV of, of the, the shark, like... That was such a clever psychological... I used to think they could come up the drain. Yeah, I mean, there's also the thing that your brain can sort of trick you into being into danger that isn't there. I've seen no evidence they can't. (laughs) That a shark can't get through a pool filtration system. I've never seen one try. I could give you that evidence (laughs) with a pen and paper. What is the film that scared you the most? What did I answer? You answered. (laughs) Fatal Attraction. Oh, yeah, Fatal Attraction. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen it? I, I did. Okay, so my dad mm. went away on business, so my mum took me to go and see Fatal Attraction. How old were you? Well, I want to say ballpark 12. I, I think I was about 12. I think it was about 1988. I think that feels about right. Lovely. That feels about maybe 11 or 12. So dad's away on business. And mum and I go and see this, this movie uh, about, you know, we all know the story of Fatal Attraction. 
And uh, I, I felt so angry and betrayed. Like, I thought, oh, Dad's doing that. Dad's probably off boning <laughs> This is some... why she showed me this. That's film. why she's showing you. This is, yeah. this is like a little trail of crumbs to the truth. And I thought, Dad's probably doing it with another woman. Yeah. She's probably a psychopath. <laughs> she's probably going to fucking come and kill us all. Yeah. But interestingly, uh, what I love about this, there mm-hmm. was a, a thing, I think it was either a Hollywood Reporter or Vanity Fair or, or someone, got famous screen couples together I saw this. Did you? Did yeah. you see the Michael Douglas yeah, going close? Yeah. How fucking interesting was so that? So interesting. And how she... Get that uh, yeah. yeah. We'll just get your phones out and watch it. And we'll, we'll watch you watch it and watch you be fascinated. No, go on, go on. It is, inter- it is actually really interesting. It's really interesting because she, for a start, got quite frustrated with how her character became a psychopath. She felt that when they were, you know, when she'd auditioned for it and when they were making it, that the whole point is if she is a psychopath, the story has no resonance because then she's just this mad lady acting without any reason. And it sort of diminishes her. Like that's sort Mm. of one of those things with script writing is that if your character is mad, then the story doesn't have a logic to it. And she was saying that kind of made my character less important because then she was just acting as a psychopath, not the things that were happening to her logically in the story. And if I remember correctly, the way the film had ended was that she kills the family and pins it on Michael Douglas. No, the original ending. You all know the current ending, Fatal Attraction, right? She gets gets shot in the bath. It's an old film, I'm so sorry. I should have said no spoilers. Spoilers, fuck it. (laughs) She gets shot in the bath. The original ending of Fatal Attraction, which is so dark and so much better, is she cuts her own throat in her bedroom. Yeah. With a knife, but with a knife that has his fingerprints on it. And we've already so had that scene. So at the end, yeah. he gets picked up by the police. Yeah, and done for murder. Yeah. Yeah. But then test audiences didn't like it. So the test audiences, they showed it and they had to reshoot it. And the reason why was because... And it's really, really fairly deeply entrenched in misogyny is that they wanted the woman to kind of get shot and killed and for Michael Douglas to step in and save his family and for order to be restored. Sort of not really taking on Michael Douglas's character's complicity in the whole situation. What they wanted was the bad lady to be punished. And the best way to punish her is for him to shoot her while she's trying to kill his family. Which just becomes a fairly idiotic story. Great thriller, but in terms of where we heap the blame, it's like, woof, thank goodness the lady's dead. (laughs) So they, they and they really they really fought hard over that. She didn't that. want to do that reshoot. She, no, she re, like refused. There was no. lawsuits. She was dragged to set. Yeah, she was dragged to set, put in a headlock. They That's said, right. That's right. Do, do the scene. They hobbled her like yeah. in uh, misery. They broke both her ankles. Yeah. You don't know this, but yeah, yeah it took a long did. time to recover. Yeah. It's all on the Vanity Fair thing. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, the whole ending of that story is basically the restoration of the American happy yeah. family and, and the, the, the woman whose fault, and it was her fault because she was a psychopath. Yeah. Like it really sort of takes all the moral weight off the Michael Douglas character. Yeah, and that scared you the most. <laughs> well, I didn't know back then that I was going to watch that interview on the... <laughs> In years ago. But it really frightened me. It really frightened yeah. me that there was this happy family that didn't know about this dark thing. That, so There were so many layers of deception that yeah. the father had had this affair and then he'd try to kind of end the affair and then it couldn't end because she was crazy and then she came after them and killed their pet. Like there were so many layers of that for a, mm. a young person to be frightened of. Yeah. I'd also only ever seen Glenn Close in The Natural uh, with Robert oh, Redford, yeah. where she plays, the, like, she's pure as the driven snow. And so I'd always thought, oh, Glenn Close. Like, and then when I saw, oh, there's that lady from The Natural. And then she's like a psychotic sexual maniac. 
you know, there's that thing with casting. It can really throw you as a kid when your favourite person or like someone who you've liked in another yeah. thing plays a baddie. That also is quite unsettling for a young mind, I think. Uh, was your dad... I'm not going to answer that question. Uh, the answer's yes. Okay, good. So your mum was doing, preparing you. What is the film that made you cry the most? I, can't, I genuinely can't remember what I answered. I thought about these... Do you know what? I'll tell you why I don't remember why, what I answered. Is because mm. I didn't want my answers to be performative. And I think over time, you start having your bog-standard answer to yeah. these things. And I actually wanted to think about it and go, no, don't give the answer that you're used to giving. Actually have a think. What did I say? You said Schindler's List. Yeah, Schindler's List fucking kills me. Mm. Every time. Why? That's a joke. <laughs> 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 Horrible pause after that joke. <laughs> really horrible long pause. Yeah. While everyone was like, okay, oh, it's a joke, it's a joke. <laughs> Have you ever seen Jiminy Glick's interview with uh, Mel Brooks? Jiminy yeah. Glick's a character Martin Short does. Oh, yes, yes. Big fat Hollywood reporter. Yeah. He's interviewing Mel Brooks and he goes, so what's your beef with the Nazis? <laughs> <laughs> Mel Brooks is like, what's my beef with the Nazis? <laughs> Schindler's List is right. Schindler's List, and every time. And it's also just got that... Um, every time. You're watching it on rotation. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Seven o'clock, kids, you know what, you know what time it is. Um, and the Not ending, and the, yeah, the ending when, when the mm. actors uh, come out with the, with the people that they played in real life. And I, I've seen it maybe six or seven times, sort of. I saw it in the cinema when it first came out. And that, that was also around the time I was a teenager... But I think that's also, again, that's sort of in keeping with a, a, a time when you're growing up. It's really weird for me with, with my, certainly with my daughter. I had to tell her about the Holocaust. Like, she, she, she's alive and, and a young person and learning about the world. And then she asked about, there was a, something that we were watching. And then I actually had to tell her about this thing that happened. And this was a brain yeah. that hadn't known it yet. And she was going, really? This happened? I'm like, oh, yeah, this happened. So six million people, they, they, they were put in and they were gassed and because they were Jewish or they were gay or they were disabled, like it was, you know. And watching that brain kind of taking it on as a thing that actually happened historically, it's important for her to know and I, I hated yeah. telling her. Yeah. And I remember as a teenager, you know, studying history and starting to learn about things like that and then seeing it presented on film and connecting with it on a layer that wasn't just information, connecting with it in that very, the way it was filmed and the... the just having that sort of connecting with a historical moment but in a way that was completely devastating. It still has that power. It's, yeah, um, yeah that, that, that really that really threw me. When I, was, I remember I was about 16 or 17 when it came out and uh, that was one of those moments in the cinema where when the film ended, people were just sat. No one got up. Yeah. Everyone just sat there. They had to take a moment. Yeah. And then the ushers came in and went, fucking please go. <laughs> That's I right. I have to Yeah, I've got to... Go there's to, another lot yeah, of you miserable an- people coming in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> Sit exactly. in stunned silence. Exactly, exactly. Um, that is a, a very good answer. Thank mm. you very much. What is the film that is supposed to be bad? It's not critically acclaimed. Yeah. But you love it unashamedly. Oh, yeah, I love this one. Yeah. Because I, lo- I love telling people how much I like this film because of how angry it makes people. <laughs> I love Vanilla Sky. <laughs> I know. I know. And I, I never saw the original, which everyone says is better. I'm not interested. Don't give a shit. Don't want to see the original one that's much better. Yeah. It violates pretty much every rule I have about films that I do and don't like. Like, I'm conf- like you're confused for the majority of that film. Yeah. Which is, I think, an unacceptable. I think it, 
you're not meant to be confused for that long. No. Um, and I think Hitchcock said that a, an audience in confusion is not an audience emoting. I think that's the that's might be I've slightly fucked that a little bit, but <laughs> but it's true. Like if you're confused for too long, your brain gives up. Yeah. And I don't mind that I don't know what's going on. And I think it's just because. I, I, I do now because I've seen it many times and I understand the plot now. Um, but I remember thinking, I've been confused for a good 90 minutes <laughs> and I'm still, I'm still into it. Yeah. I'm still with them. I, I want to know. And I, I, it's really memorable. I think Cameron Crowe is really good at curating fantastic songs. Like he always picks yeah. fantastic songs. So there's all these great songs that's like, that I still associate, like I think there's the Salisbury Hill is, is one of them, there's uh, Todd Rundgren, Can We Still Be Friends, these really great kind of yacht rock kind of songs. Again, I'm not that wild about yacht rock. And then he's got a yacht rock soundtrack. I'm like, great. What is the film you loved years ago? Used to love it, but don't hold up anymore for you. I'm pretty sure I just answered. Was it Manhattan? Yeah, you yeah, did. Yeah, Manhattan. Manhattan is just gross fest. <sighs> yeah. It's really troublesome. And also, I think, also the relationship that Woody Allen had with... Because you hate black and white. Yeah. Yeah, it's troubling. Can't, I really, I just... For me, a, a movie needs to be about 90 minutes long and in colour. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. anything else that happens on top yeah. of that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that's, no. Uh, that's a really... I mean, a lot of Woody Allen stuff... It's really... I have a very difficult sort of... Because Annie Hall is still one of my favourite films. Annie Hall changed my life and the way I felt about comedy and what I thought you could do with comedy. Like, I think that for most people who are into comedy, that's, it's just such a... It is a classic for all the right reasons. So it's very difficult relating to his work when it has meant something to you. But, I mean, Manhattan is uh, just hiding in plain sight. That's not yeah. even... Well, he might be troublesome off-screen, but on-screen, that, like, that is just a, a pretty gross movie about his relationship with a barely, barely adult. She's a child. And also, he knew her parents in real life. There was this kind of, you know... That whole thing is weird. And, they, they, yeah. and they, all of it is depressing. And the ending of Manhattan is one of my favourite endings to the film. And then now you just go like, oh, fuck, why did you... Why? I mean, of all the things... Is that LV you've got to lighten up? Or is that Annie Hall? That's Annie Hall. That's Annie Hall. You've got to lighten up. They're all good you endings. Light- what a great ending. You've got to lighten up. Great ending. That's, and then I'm like, when I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, you've got to lighten up. That's, that's it, isn't it? You've got to yeah. lighten up. It's such a fantastic ending. Brilliant ending. But, yeah, uh, Manhattan, I can't watch it now. I don't find it funny or cute or amusing. Yeah, it's... It's not a quirk. And it's not quirky for a man of his age to have had the... Yeah. That's a... That is a cool car driven by a cool guy. (laughs) Yeah, there's some guy out there and he's so fucking cool. And he's just like... But the problem with Manhattan is also I love Gershwin. Like I... And it's got the Gershwin soundtrack. So, yeah, it's got all these things about it that... uh, Yeah, but I, I can't watch it now with any level of comfort. I think that's totally fair. What's the film that has the most meaning for you? Not necessarily the film itself is any good, but the experience you had around seeing the film that will always make it special to you, Sarah Kendall. Which was? What was it? I mean, it was the Pink Panther Strikes again, but I can't tell you the experience. Yeah, uh, that's a shame. Because <laughs> it was yours. You didn't tell me there was homework involved in the show. <laughs> Do you know what? The reason why I had to go back and rethink this was because I had a memory that turns out was not a memory. What was it? I thought, okay, so I was going to say the start of The Spy Who Loved Me yes. because of when uh, Roger Moore goes off the edge of the cliff and then the Union Jack flag opens up and then you get the, the theme tune kicks in. Uh, and I had a memory that turns out I had rewritten in my head that couldn't possibly have been accurate. 
I thought that the cinema broke into a round of applause when that happened. And then I looked at the year on it and I couldn't possibly have been in the cinema when that movie came out. And what I remembered was that I was in a pub talking to someone and that was on the TV. And I said, oh, my dad loves this movie. And then everyone in the pub started watching the opening and then everyone in the pub gave it a round of applause, just like drunk people giving a round of applause to... Oh, that's even more. better. I know. It's, yeah, but then I had, I, had, I had fused the memory of being at the cinema with my dad with a round mm. of applause. Like I'd just rewritten the memory and then I'd gone, oh, that never happened. What did I, so what did I answer? Oh, you, Pink Panther. You said the Pink Panther strikes again, but I don't know what happened. Oh, that's just and watching it, it with real. my dad. That's just watching it with my... That's uh, such a... Yeah. And I, I still find... All of the, the Peter Sellers, uh, the, the Clouseau, they just, just because of how much my dad loved it, my dad would, uh, he would laugh so hard and it became this collective hysteria that it, I was catching his laughter. I mean, it's yeah. really funny on its own and, you know, I, I still love it. The opening with, I think it's, I can't remember because I've seen all of them too many times, but the one that starts with Herbert Lom in the psychiatric asylum and it starts with uh, Clouseau going to visit him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is so goddamn. It is just so funny. It, it and my watching it with my dad is fifty percent of that joy. So, um, yeah, so genuinely, it's going to hurt my heart. That answer. Okay. Um, here we go. Look, look, I mean, the problem is if you make me say, just look me in the eyes. What is the film that you found the sexiest? Now look away. Oh. I mean, do you remember? No. It's, I'll tell you what I think of your answer. What? This is an answer of someone in front of an audience. <laughs> the answer is brief encounter. Come on. <laughs> Come on. That's is sexy. It? Oh, I've got something in my eye. Because oh. the, they never did it. No? No. But the very idea, disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> there was something very sexy about how forbidden it was. And how everything was not allowed and everything that they were doing was so... I think that's really sexy. Yeah. I think when you're actually watching two people at it, it's a bit... Ugh. Like, yeah. I never watch a sex... Like, if I, like, I want to watch sex, I'll watch a porno. But if I watch sex and yeah. people having sex, I, gen- I, I often find myself going, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot to take on. <laughs> body heat, for example. A lot of people are like, yeah. ooh, body heat. I just get so embarrassed for everyone. I'm yeah. like, oh, my Lord. So I find what I can't see and what's, what's, what's withheld, yeah. I find that a lot sexier as opposed to watching actual fucking, which is a totally different. Have you seen Brief Encounter in the audience? <laughs> Is fucking so. The ending of it yeah. is horrific. Yeah, it's devastating. <laughs> horrific Absolutely ending. devastating. Yeah, uh, incre- just it's a it's it's a post World War Two Britain really depressing landscape. Black and it's David Lean. It's David Lean film, and it's a, a married man and a married woman meet in a train station and they keep meeting up and they fall in love. And they decide they're going to meet and have sex. He says, I've got this friend who has a, a, an apartment. You imagine, this is like post-World War II Britain for, for, for him to actually say, we can go somewhere and have sex and her to go, okay. Just would not happen, right? And they go to the apartment of, 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 of this friend and then the friend unexpectedly comes back and she has to run down the fire escape and she's so ashamed, she is so embarrassed and she feels degraded and he runs downstairs and he says I'm so sorry look we can come here another time and she says I can't do this like the way I feel right now I can't do this I can't do it to my husband and my kids I just can't do this and so he goes so that's it she's like yeah but I just can't and so he takes a job in South Africa I think 
is the way he's kind of removed from the scene. And then they just have to say goodbye. He just says goodbye to her at a train no, station. No, but they get interrupted. That's the worst bit. By the woman. Yeah. That, the way they hello. speak. And there's movies back then. Hello. Oh, hello. Was anyone alive back in the day? Did real people talk like that? I think about that a lot. If you walk around, was everyone like, hello? Hello. Oh, it's terribly nice. Yeah. It's Did everyone actually speak? Very staccato. But I love it because... Uh, hello. I, welcome I, to Sainsbury's. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> I try, I try really hard to do it because I, I love it. It's my favourite accent. I love asking people to do it. Like, uh, my cheek brushes his. The little curls bouncing on the back of his head. Really good. He's so happy. So happy. I'm never so happy. You do know what's happened, don't you? We've fallen in love. They're so fast. They talk so fast. Yeah. But they were so buttoned up and constricted. And, and in the context of where Britain was post-World War II, like it, they were just so... There, were, there weren't any nice things, you know. Everything was rationed, and and then this 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 love that kind of sprang up between them, and then it never happened. They just had to say goodbye, and as they're saying goodbye, this incredibly irritating woman joins them. She's like, "Hello, I've just been to Sainsbury's." Um, yeah, and then they have to say goodbye really politely in front of each other, and then they're never going to see each other again. And uh, interestingly, the apartment, the Billy Wilder film, he wrote that having seen a brief encounter, and he's like. Who's this best friend who has an apartment they're going to go and have sex in? Well, these, they've got a friend who's going, take my keys and you can use my apartment to have sex in it. And then he wrote the apartment. So, he, yeah, he thought, oh, that's an interesting character. It's yeah. a guy who just gives his keys out for people to have illicit sex in. I love that. I love the genesis yeah, of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, what you've described in Brief Encounter does sound fucking fit. Uh, <laughs> what is... <laughs> there's a uh, <laughs> there's a there's a subcategory. Yeah. Someone on uh, Twitter or something the other day. I oh know on the actual on the podcast at the bottom, I've asked people to like leave reviews, but don't leave a review. Tell me about a film you like, whatever. And someone wrote the other day. And I couldn't fault it. They said my favourite thing on the podcast is when Brett is uncomfortable to ask the sexiest film question and acts as if someone else has written it and he has to read it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what's this? Um, <laughs> right. I'll, do, I'll say it. Uh, what's the... Uh, the subcategory, troubling boners, worrying wide-ons. Yeah. The film you found arousing you probably shouldn't have. I, I you had no answer. No, I don't. I haven't got, got a no film. shame. Well, there's nothing... That, there, there isn't a film that I go, well, that's worrying. Mm. I, I just go... I, like, I, I, if, I, if something... If I do find it, like, a, a turn-on, I can't think of anything that springs to mind where I go... Oh, shouldn't have though. That's bad. Is that, I don't know if that means I'm a narcissist. Does I that mean it, I'm a no, narcissist? No, I think it means you've got a very healthy. Um, well, what, can you give me an example? Because like, I feel like someone's gonna. Like, I feel like it's a gag question for a gag answer. No, what it is is me hunting hunting pedos, uh, <laughs> and that's all I'm doing. I'm doing the Lord's work, yeah. and all you have, to, all anyone has to say is there in black. All anyone has to say is the little mermaid, and we go ha ha ha, and we move on. Yeah. But if someone goes, I don't know, I go pedo. Okay, right, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember thinking Blue... Like, I thought Blue Lagoon was, oh, but then I was age-appropriate when I saw it. I was mm. like a young... I was like a preteen. Yeah. Like, that's absolutely right for a pre... Like, if I was an adult watching Blue Lagoon going, <laughs> that's worrying. Yeah. But for that age group, what's worrying is that a lot of adults went to see Blue yeah. Lagoon. Yeah. But that's it. I mean, no, I can't think of anything that I go, oh, I should never have felt that. Okay. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah? I think so. What's an example of something that someone else has said? 
Jessica Rabbit? No, I don't find that sexy. Not into that? No. Okay. Feels like a gag answer, though. I don't think they're being genuine. No, they probably are a pedo, but at least they're going... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, At least they're going... They've made an effort. Go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) What is the film you most relate to? I don't know. What did I say? You said you said a lot of John Hughes, and then you picked specifically Sixteen Candles. Yeah, a lot of John Hughes. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, a lot of John Hughes. Oh, right. A lot of John Hughes. Because when I was when I was a teenager, a lot of a lot of the stuff I'm talking about is when I was a teenager, which is interesting. But as a teenager, I, I felt like that was the first time I, I was seeing stuff that felt representative of not quite fitting in and it being okay or it being funny or feeling a bit different. Like Sixteen Candles, which I think is actually a bit racist. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there's – like there is the wacky Chinese exchange student. Yeah. So that's – you know, it hasn't – not all it, is, it has aged brilliantly. But like the Molly Ringwald character in that, even though she had this – the ending to that film is ridiculous. Has anyone seen – I'm now talking about like everyone's seen Sixteen Candles. Jake Ryan. Oh, my God, you like Jake Ryan? So she likes – Jake Ryan, who's the most handsome, and he's about 40, by the way. The actor who plays <laughs> Jake Ryan. It is ridiculous. Michael Schoefling was his name. Didn't go on to stay in show business. I think he makes furniture now. Oh. Anyway. Um, Imagine buying a safer off him. From Michael Schoefling. Yeah. I'd be like, what? <laughs> he was also in Mermaids. I in love mermaids. Yeah, mermaids is a great film. Great yeah, film. Yeah, but I loved in Sixteen Candles that she wasn't like the most popular, and even though she was a very like she's a very beautiful actress, but they made out like she kind of was the odd bod mm. who didn't quite fit in, and, and these wonderful things happened to her in the film. I think there might also be a questionable, almost roofy style incident in the film that's played as comedy. Yeah. That's the other problem with these these films. A lot of the stuff hasn't aged like, like even Breakfast Club. You know, oh, yeah, it's got a terrible. Bit yeah, 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 and Molly. Ringwald has, has spoken about that yeah. like, and how you know there is problematic stuff in there. But I think for me seeing Sixteen Candles and seeing a, a character who didn't quite fit in but that's what made her so likeable and what made her a strong character. I think for teenage me that was a really exciting thing to see. And she wasn't blonde, you know, she had dyed red hair. But yeah, I, I remember kind of feeling that maybe good things could happen. I like that. Yeah. It's very nice. Thanks. And they did. Wonderful things have happened to me. And they did. They did. And they did. What is the film, objectively, that you think is the greatest film of all time? Objectively, the pinnacle of cinema. Might not be your favourite. It's the greatest. You know it because it's objectively (laughs) the greatest. I think I might have answered Tootsie. You did. Yeah, I did. I did. And that's not like a controversial what? Because I think that that is constantly like at the top of the greatest comedies ever written and, you know. And we were talking about this earlier. I'm not sure how that has aged in terms of if it's trans, how it is towards trans rights. I don't know if, if there are people I watched it last it. night. Okay. To check it out. Yeah. I'm no expert. No, we're not experts because we're expert. not trans. So yeah. I was surprised how nuanced it was. It isn't like played it's not a joke he's not like a joke woman no he's not like oh, i'm a joke mm. like it's taken quite seriously it's yes. feminine he discovers his feminine side yeah. i think the one thing that maybe has dated is that basically it is a film about a man who takes jobs from women and then mansplains to them how hard their lives are <laughs> yeah yeah i can say that that's yeah. the bit yeah. That was a bit dodgy. Oh, now I understand it's a bit hard for you. Yeah. Yes, shithead. You yeah. should all fight back. You can't because I've got your job, but yeah. you should, yeah. if you had my job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That is, 
again, this is another context thing. Uh, when I uh, used to, my grandmother only had three VHS videos at her house, and one of them was Tootsie. Yeah. And so I would, uh, and uh, back in the day, like when I was uh, when I was growing up, we only had two channels where I grew up, and I would spend a lot of time at my grandma's house, and I'd often just watch Tootsie. It was the only thing to, and I loved it. I loved it so much. I thought it was so funny. Yeah. So I've seen it maybe. Th- 30 times wow. in, in my life. And I every time I go back to it, I, I, I can't get over how how good every line in that film is, every character, every beat of the story. It's just and, and when you see the people who did the rewrites, I mean I think Barry Levinson did a pass oh, wow. on it, Elaine May did a pass on yeah. it. Uh, Larry Galbart is, I think, he's credited as, as and Larry Galbart devised MASH, and he he was always he, he was also part of I think the Sid, the Sid Caesar right. group. So he was in with Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner and all those guys. So Larry Galbart writes it, but you've got the great comedy minds coming in and doing a joke pass on it. I mean, yeah. getting getting Elaine May to do a joke pass on your script, but I just I I think it is such a perfect comedy. It's got so much heart. It's a it's a good love story. And there's certain stuff that they get away with. Like the whole jeopardy of the, the final scene where, where Dustin Hoffman is improvising live on television. Yeah. And when you see the film again and again, how much heavy lifting they put into the idea that they're going to be live to wear. Yeah. And you see this kind of, oh, blah, blah, has been drinking around the, the, <laughs> the editing equipment again. We might have to go live, you know. And they put it in through the script and then this one of the actors who can't possibly do a live recording, like they keep on saying, oh, no, no, I can't, I can't do a live recording. And then when Dustin Hoffman does the final scene where he's improvising live on television, how carefully they've planted that idea through the script. Mm. And then your brain buys that that could, ha- that that could possibly happen because it is, it's a script fudge. There are certain things... But you know when you're writing a script where you go, I'm just going to have to fudge that bit. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but it's a little plot thing I'm going to have to get people over the line with. Yeah. It's quite unbelievable that they would have to have done that scene live, but they needed that to happen. The part I think is unbelievable is that it's the end of his job. If you've seen Tootsie, yeah. he takes off his thing and goes, I'm your brother or something. Yeah. And then I'm like, yeah, you'd want to keep watching that. Yeah. yeah Why yeah. has he lost his job? That's right. a great twist in the soap. Right. He's yeah. now the brother. Great, thanks for the writing. You're yeah. doing another year. Yes. But then, then we have to... Yes. Uh, yeah, actually, that would have made it... It is interesting that he then loses everything yeah. at that point where it really should have... That's a really good point. Wow. And I thought that all those script writers knew what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, I mean, this isn't funny. I found it interesting. I saw an um, interview with Dustin Hoffman a couple of years ago. I know the one you're about to mention. Where he starts crying because he's talking about <laughs> Tootsie, talking about making Tootsie, and he said... I learned so much doing that. I was devastated because I was an ugly woman. And he said, I was surprised. I thought I'd be fit. And he said, and when I put on all the stuff, I was ugly. And he said, and you notice how few people talked to me and were interested in me. And I realized all the women that might have been amazing in my life that I'd ignored because they were ugly like I am as a woman. I saw that. Yeah. And I, my, first, my first thought was, he's just trying to get more pussy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, the guy's a fucking genius. So, like, I just went, oh, what, it never person. occurred to you. Not once. It never occurred to you once that an unattractive oh, woman might have something interesting to say yeah. until you became an ugly woman. <laughs> Fuck off, mate. I just didn't buy it. I'm like, you're a very bright man and you're being very manipulative right now. But also, if he's doing it for your word, pussy, then... I'm, if I'm that woman and he starts chatting to me, I'm like, oh, am I ugly then? Is this why you're now? <laughs> yeah. 
But also, I know the clip you mean. It was when it was the AFI when he was being yeah. into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And he starts crying in the middle of this speech. And I was just like, nah, mate. Nah. This is just, it was so calculated. I get it. Like, I'm sure there was some kind of, like, yeah. realisation there. But you'd have to have zero humanity and zero brains for that to be the first person it had occurred to you that maybe it's not, like, yeah. only hot women have got something interesting to say. <laughs> Oh, what, really? You yeah, and he it? was quite old at that, but he'd been around he a while. 70. Just not talking to unattractive <laughs> women for but, uh, so many yeah. years. I love the way he told the story, though, because he said he did the makeup test and they, did, they put him in the full Dorothy Michaels outfit. And he went, yeah, that's really good, but uh, I want to be prettier. And the uh. hair and makeup team were like... <laughs> <laughs> and the way he described it was they said to him, that's your lot, Charlie. <laughs> This is the best we've got with the current technology we have <laughs> with makeup and wigs. Yeah. Uh, and how, how, uh, how stunned he was. But there's so many great lines in that. You know, like when the, in, in Tootsie, when the director says, I want to make her look a little prettier. How far can you move back? Cameraman <laughs> yeah. says, How do you feel about Cleveland? <laughs> All these, like, yeah. yeah, it's pretty funny. It's good stuff. It's great stuff. What's a film you could or have watched the most over and over again? My first answer to that was, was again, be, it was going to be Tootsie again because that's the one I have seen the most. But what yeah. did I say? You said Goodfellas or Aliens. Yeah, I can watch. I, honestly, I, I remember getting in from a gig years ago and it was 2 a.m. I'd done a preview. I'd done a one-hour preview and driven back from, like, I, it was out. And I thought, I'm just going to have a snack and go to bed. And Goodfellas was on and I thought, I'll just watch five yeah. minutes. And the next thing I knew, it was, like, 3 a.m. I watched the whole thing. I cannot sit down at any point in Goodfellas and get up and leave the room. You know, Nish Kumar and I have pitched a show to Channel 5 yeah. called Good Luck Not Watching Goodfellas. <laughs> uh, yeah. You sit anyone down, they, they're given a task. Oh, Jesus. And then you put Goodfellas on at any point and it's go, incredible. good luck. It's incredible. And they win a million if they walk away. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. It's a good, it's a good game show, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter how tired I am, and it doesn't matter what point in the film it is. I can just, it's just. And I, I'm not sure if this is apocryphal, but someone told me that when Goodfellas came out, it was around the time so MTV had really changed the way films, like films, were having to get snappier and faster and yeah. camera, like just the length of shot was getting shorter and shorter because of the way music videos were mm. increasing the pace of images that people were expecting per minute, basically, and. The studio had said to Scorsese something along the lines of, we need it to be faster paced, we need the work to be faster paced. And he said, I'll show you fast. Now, I don't know if that's a true story, but he basically just... Uh, And the film just fucking flies. Incredible. It is incredible. And, And again, great soundtrack. Like, you can pinpoint each piece of music for where it's used in the, in the you know, like Layla, the way you use Layla yeah. was just so great. And the comedy in it's fantastic. He's such Fucking a... funny. The guy, the wig guy yeah. with the ad, you know, they cut to his ad for wigs and him jumping in and out of the pool <laughs> in the middle of this gangster film. It's like a little comedy bit. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's great. I'm going to wrap up this section. Yeah. Uh, you've been absolutely wonderful. Thanks. So much so we'll do a part two. However, when you went abseiling and you were like i am not doing this and then everyone was like do it and you went oh, i'll do it but I, if i'm doing it i'm doing it like the best yeah. 
because I care too much. And then you, you arrived and everyone said, we hear you care a lot. And you went, do I? I don't give a shit. Yeah. And you checked everything three times. You checked the yeah. caribou yeah. knot, which you knew about weirdly. And then caribou lock. Caribou lock, yeah. It's like a, a lever that goes like that, goes inwards like that. Yeah, you'd done your research. Yeah. And you, uh, you, well, I you, don't want to die. You don't want to die. And you checked it three times. And then you started abseiling. And then the caribou lock that you'd got on eBay, it turned out, was old. And it <laughs> broke. Yeah. And you fell. Yeah. A long, long, long way, yeah. but you did not die. <laughs> and it was hor- horrible. You I was were in a lot of pain for a long time. A lot time. of pain. Took you to hospital. Yeah. I was on the group thread. Everyone was like, she's, fi- she's a fighter. She's a fighter. She'll oh, be, she's she's a coming fighter. back. We'll see her gigging soon. Mm. And then suddenly, Emma, it's <laughs> so dark. Yeah. And you, you, you d- slowly again, <laughs> slowly died of yeah, that. It didn't take me out quickly. No, no, no. Yeah. I'd say it was six months of a sort of withering... <sighs> And then you were dead. And it was not a good six months. No, not, no, 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 no. Very little. Each joy. day was harder than the last. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People stopped. People stopped visiting because it was bleak. Yeah. And then, anyway, you, you, you died. People had, that I looked on that our text thread and I was like, no one's messaged on here in ages. No, no. And, People, it, it was just yeah. has left the chat. Has yeah. left the chat. Has <laughs> left the chat. One by one. Yeah. Yeah. I started sending funny memes just to spice to, it up a bit. To anyway. Yeah. I start wondering, well, what has happened to Sarah Kendall? We were going to do a part two. Mm. I walked by the hospital. There you are. You, yeah. Not only had your friends abandoned you, but so had the medical staff. Yeah. And they'd forgotten they you were, were like, there. Not only is she dying, she's a real downer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Covered in cobwebs and shit. Things had been eating at you. Mm. It was a real, like, 28 days later. And when people complain about, you know, it's like, you had your own room. Yeah. Interestingly, though, yeah. Uh, with Golden Staff, if things were eating at me, they might have been eating the necrotic flesh, hence saving my life. But go yeah, on. Yeah, but, but it wasn't that. But um, <laughs> anyway, you're a fucking... I'm walking along with my coffin, you know what I'm like. And uh, I see you, I'm like, oh, Jesus, you, it's all over the walls. It's spread. Yeah. You've spread. Yeah. And so I have to scoop you up with a spatula and a knife. I have to chop you up. Yeah, I mean, sorry, but it's the truth. And I have to... I put you in this coffin, yep. smash you in. This coffin is rammed. Yep. There's so much more than I was expecting. There is only enough room in the coffin to slide one DVD yep. in the side with you yep. for you to take across to the other side. And on the other side, it's movie night every night. One night, it's your movie night. What film are you taking to show everyone in heaven when it's your movie night? Sarah Kendall, go! Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? I fucking love it. Yeah. Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Absolutely. Yes. I mean, some people... It's a walkout. She hates the fish. She hates it. She was pro Manhattan, but she's leaving us. <laughs> um, I love that film. Yeah, love that. That, I remember yep. uh, there was a, a text that I did in uh, uh, high school. I was uh, seventeen. Yeah. And uh, we were sort of instructed to get the go to the video store and rent it out if you could and and, and watch it. This is this is showing age. This is you know, and that's how we used to do things back in those days. And I got the movie and I got the VHS and I watched it. And for me, that was the absolute awakening in me that I wanted to work in script or film or anything. I was so electrified. I was yeah. so thrilled. And, the, and I, I was confused for bits, but in a good way. Like when, when you're not sure about their son and you're like, something's going on with their son. What's going on with their son? And their performances were so visceral and their fights and the funny and... And I watched it and I, I just I went back and watched it again. I, I watched it again and again and again. And I, I felt like that's when everything, something just ignited. Mm. I just knew that that's what I wanted to do with my life. Anything, anything to do 
with that, be it acting or writing or... I didn't want to be a director because the hours are too long and I knew that back then. But I just... I thought I just want to be a part of that and the way it's making me feel watching yeah. it, this weightlessness. And I don't think any of the... Like Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor, I don't think they ever did anything as good before or after. Yeah. It was just this piece of work that was... You thought, I just want to be part of that kind of marriage. I want to be in a marriage <laughs> like that. That's the kind of marriage I want. <laughs> But um, also, but also, yes. you know, like what you get interested in, it always leads to something. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a, a sort of like a food chain. Yeah. So I sort of went. So who directed this? It was Mike Nichols, and then I was like, Oh, Mike Nichols, I, the Graduate, and Mike Nichols, Working Girl, yeah, yeah. and Mike Nichols, Postcards from the Edge. Like it sets you off on another person's work, and then I got really interested in Mike Nichols, and and then his double act with Elaine May. Like that then started to get me interested in their comedy and and the improv that they did. Like everything led to something that interested me more, mm-hmm. and I love I love pretty much all. I can't think of many of Mike Nichols's films that I don't love. Yeah. But you sort of Wolf, you, uh, <laughs> Catch Twenty Two. Mm. I mm. like it. You like Catch Twenty Two? Mm. I didn't mind it. I don't hate it. No, exactly. Okay. But it could have been. It yeah, felt like it yeah. could have been the greatest. Yeah, and it yeah. wasn't. But I do. I, I I just kind of felt like Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf then led me to being interested in his work, and that has really affected the kind of comedy that I try to write. I think. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, please. She, uh, you've been more wonderful than I could ever have dreamt. Really? We do a round of applause. Did you say that to her. I love, thank you. I love the. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> the final moment of the podcast, as we fade out, will just be Sarah going, honestly, you don't mean that. Go fuck yourself. Uh, through the applause that you've asked for. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I will finish official, the official recording. You've been, genuinely, I cannot express how much it means that you all showed up. It was fucking great. And, and thank you. So let's finish this properly. So that was the eighth live episode. Thank you so much to Sarah for being so excellent. Thanks to, thanks to, thanks to Ben Williams and Naomi Pano and the whole Underbelly crew here today. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to Acast for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics. Lisa Lydon for the photography. And most of all, thank you all for being here today. It does mean a lot. Have a lovely week and please be excellent to each other. That was a Rewind Classic. Thank you all for listening. I hope you're all well. I'll be back next week with another one of these. And then soon I'll be putting out some new episodes. I've got some bangers in the bank. Oh, yeah. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing this. Thanks to Acast for hosting it. Thanks to Lisa Lader for the photography. Adam Richard for the graphics. The Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks you all for listening. And in the meantime, have a lovely week. And please, now more than ever, be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? 
Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.